You're listening to the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey, a leading multi-platform audio content and entertainment company. Listen on the Odyssey app. Hello and welcome to the Marketing Futures Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Berberich. We're back with another edition of the Masters of Brand Masters podcast, recorded on site at the 2023 ANA Brand Masters Conference in Bonita Springs, Florida. Today's guest wasn't quite sure if he had yet achieved Brand Master status, but allow me to disagree. Brady Noon is the CMO of Take 5 Oil Change and Car Wash, a disruptor in what's long been a relatively sleepy category. Brady joined the company in the midst of an explosive growth period, but noticed they didn't really have a brand to speak of. Through a combination of bold, humorous advertising and baking their mission into the KPIs they used to measure success, Take 5 developed a personality and brand identity all its own. Find out how, now. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in sunny Bonita Springs, Florida at the ANA Brand Masters Conference. And it is my pleasure to introduce to you Brady Noon, Chief Marketing Officer at Take 5 Oil Change and Car Wash. Brady, thank you so much for taking the time out to visit the pod. Of course. My pleasure, Mike. Thanks for having me. That's my pleasure. So we're going to jump into a campaign that is just I, I really love full transparency. I'm a big fan of it. But before we get into all of that, I want to level set a little bit with our listeners. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how your journey led you to becoming CMO of Take 5 Oil Change and Car Wash? Yeah, it's a little sideways story, if I'm being honest. Um, you know, I, I graduated college. I had played baseball in college, and I didn't have a lot of time to like think about my career, quite frankly. Uh, I was very focused on throwing fastballs and getting people out. You know, a, a little um, juvenile of me, I guess you could say, but I wasn't so focused on my career. But I found my way, actually, strangely enough, into the Department of Defense. And I started working for the Department of Defense in DC as a contract negotiator. And I was buying all sorts of things and manner of goods for the Navy that I had never anticipated doing, ships, missiles. Wow. Um, yeah, uh, just completely out of left field kind of start to my career. And I found quickly that I loved the analytical components of it. I loved the very the business edge, working with private industry to create great solutions for our armed services and also at an efficient cost for the taxpayer. But it was slow for me, if I'm being honest. Um, rightfully so. It's an industry that should move slow and cautiously. Right. But I wanted something really dynamic. And I went to the safest place you could imagine to think about that, which was my mother. Mm-hmm. And I said, Mom, I am at an impasse here. I don't know what I want to do with the rest of my life. Um, what do you think about that? And you know, she said, I see a lot of your uncle, my brother, and you. And he's had a very successful career in marketing. And I said, well, that's interesting. Um, I didn't exactly know what marketing was at the time Mm -hmm. um, or what it all entailed or encompassed. But I did some research and I talked to my uncle and and spoke a little bit about his career and how he's enjoyed it and how he's fared, et cetera, and decided it was something I was going to go for. So I I pivoted at that point. I, I went back to school. I went to the University of Chicago got my master's in business, and I started out right away at Procter & Gamble. So I went to P&G, 
And I was blessed not only to be at P&G, but to find myself as my first job working on what I think is one of the most iconic modern times campaigns, which was Thank You Mom for, for the Olympics. Um, uh, at the Sochi Games. Yeah. And I said right then and there that if this is part of marketing, that I'm in the right place. And I had just an incredible time on that campaign and got to work on some incredible brands between then and now. Uh, Gillette out in Boston, did some work on off-insect repellent for S.C. Johnson & Son in the United States. Ultimately rose to lead shopper marketing or omnichannel marketing, as it was called at the time. Ressie Johnson and Son in North America. Wow. And I was just loving it. Things were going good. But I, I took a call from a growing and exciting brand in the automotive services space, which was Take Five, and spoke with a, an incredible leader we have named Danny Rivera and spoke with him in detail about what Take Five was and what Take Five stood for and what we thought the growth trajectory could be for Take Five. And I just reflected honestly on my experience in taking care of my vehicle over my lifetime. Mm -hmm. And I said, man, here is a sleepy industry yeah. that is not consumer first, not customer first. Here is this you know, star of a brand kind of growing and exploding with a really differentiated, distinct model that just made things so much better but it wasn't really a brand yet. And I said, this is a time to bet on myself, right? An opportunity to disrupt a very old and out of touch, in my view, industry with a business that was incredible that lacked a brand. Mm -hmm. And the opportunity to really build a brand, you know, I didn't think I'd see that again. So at that moment, I, I, I took that leap of faith, I bet on myself, and, and I joined Driven Brands and first started working on Take 5 Oil Change. And that was in, gosh, part of the pandemic. Yeah, it was like 2020. Late, yeah, 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 yeah like exactly, right? exactly. That's just incredible. And like, wow, like no pun, or I guess pun completely intended, but thank you, Mom. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> That's exactly right. You know, it's, you know there's, a, there's a real insight in that. You know, um, that is so universal. And I think that's why that campaign is so powerful. And man, I hadn't made that connection before, Mike, but you're exactly right. I mean, no one knows you like your mother and no one puts in the work for you like your mother. Um, and I'm blessed to have had an incredible mother. And um, without her, I wouldn't be here. So that's on, on multiple levels. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a really, there's, there's some, there's some like, yeah. levels to that one. Um, so you did, you did kind of, uh, go over this a bit just now, but I want to kind of focus in on that, the, the, those moments joining the brand, like where was the state of the brand? I know you said it was more the state of the company and not the brand because we were still looking to get that when you joined and what were the uh, initial priorities that you kind of set for yourself as the new CEO. Yeah, 100%. I mean, so I joined at a very intense moment for the brand. I mean, we were in the heart of the pandemic. We, like many retailers and manufacturers and brands in general, were very impacted. Yeah. And we had just spent some time focusing on how could we be as relevant as possible 
given what we think we are in this moment. And, and the first work we were, we were spinning was a campaign called New Normal Proof um, mm. Mm. that Eric and Coleman, our incredible agency partner, had honestly begun the work on with, with um, the team prior to my joining. And I just thought it was a great answer to the moment um, on a lot of levels. You know, one of the core insights to new normal proof was that one of our distinct benefits or points of difference as a brand was that you stay in your car. Yeah. That we were a contactless service. And human contact, unfortunately, at the time was such a tension in the world. And I think we addressed that head on. And so I walked into what I thought was strong work, honestly. Its first real brand campaign was this pandemic campaign. Crazy. And so a lot of my initial focus was honestly making sure that I didn't do it a disservice and getting, getting it out there. So I focused a lot on media at the beginning, like very early on, and took a hard look at their media strategy and how we were approaching the market. I think that we were a little too focused on performance-based conversion at the time. I mean, we were a very young brand um, with a very distinct benefit that was largely unaware to many, many people. And we're talking about a market with 90% household penetration. I mean, nine out of 10 folks in the United States have a car yeah. that, all, that need oil changes. Um, and most households have, I mean, uh, 1.9 vehicles on average. Right. So it's a huge market, right? A huge market. And I thought we were very limited in who we reached and how we reached them, and that we needed to move much more upper funnel, much more awareness-driven, much more brand forward, and think of ourselves a little less as auto service and more as quick service and high volume, high throughput. And that required bringing in a ton of incremental customers, which required a high degree of awareness with a distinct message. And we had that distinct message in place, but we didn't have the distribution plan in place for that message. So that was a lot of the focus of the early days um, um, for, for when I first entered the business. And thankfully, we, we came out of 2020 very strong and well positioned for the future. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I know that for a young brand, that performance marketing is very tempting because it's kind of like pull the lever, get a sale, pull the lever, get a sale. But especially when you're really starting to establish yourself, you need to have that long-term plan in place. You don't want to get to a point and realize that three years ago, you should have been shaping the company or the strategy for that moment. Um, so that's very cool that even though there were a lot of positives that you kind of saw the, the vision of making this a brand and, and, and going beyond just, like you said, performance marketing. So your work with Eric and Coleman did not end with new normal proofing. No. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the Faster Than You Think campaign. As I said, you, you teamed with the independent shop of Eric and Coleman to create humorous ads that border on the absurd. And once I started uh, watching them, I, I really could not get enough of it. So just first, kudos. But second, <laughs> what was the inspiration behind the campaign and what was the brand agency dynamic as you were bringing it to life? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think one of the core things that made New Normal Proof successful was it, it did well to address a real tension. Mm, mm -hmm. And as the pandemic subsided, 
that tension in some way subsided, thankfully, um, for our business and for the greater society, right, our world. And we had to rethink that. How could we be relevant again? What were our core benefits in this context? And how, were, how did they play in the world as it is today? And, and we think about three core equities for our brand, right? We think fast, friendly, and simple. We try to own those three things in all that we do. Um, and, I, and I can talk more about how that manifests operationally later. But so we wanted to, t to play on speed, right? As we got back to the modern world, um, post-pandemic, right? I mean, we all know how we live. It's minute to minute, second oh, to second, yeah. no time to spare, and it's not slowing down anytime soon. And the fact that we could service a car in 10 minutes without an appointment was a huge benefit of ours. Um, but just saying fast is, you know, right. it, yeah, uh, that's great. great. <laughs> yeah, but how do you tell that story in a way that poses attention that makes it interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what we spent a lot of time with Eric and Coleman on. And to their brilliance and credit, um, they came back to us uh, with a, a new number of great ideas. But faster than you think resonated with me because the tension was that we were fast, so fast that you couldn't do things that you would expect you'd be able to do in the time of the oil change. That was the tension that we were so fast, almost nothing could be accomplished in the time it took us to accomplish the core reason you're there. And it was just a fountain of ideas from that point. Uh, once you had that bedrock, that foundation, I mean, um, our reviews, our you know, sessions, I guess you could say, where we're batting around, how are these ideas gonna come to life and what ideas are we gonna really bring to life? It just kind of flowed from there because we just had this powerful platform to play with. And so we've, we've told eight different stories, as you say, bordering on the absurd of 100%. Um, I think I take pride in that, honestly, and it's something that I think Eric and Coleman really appreciate about us as clients. And what I really appreciate about them as an agency partner is our mutual respect for finding that border. You know, I learned, one of the best things I learned in my first role at Thank You Mom was if it doesn't, to me, if it doesn't make you feel something, then what's the point? It's not gonna be as powerful as it should be. You know, I think it's undeniable that if you feel a material emotion watching a piece of content, it, it has more impact on you, Absolutely. right? Um, it, it literally connects the visuals and the sounds and the brand and the, and the concepts in your mind with an actual feeling, and that's powerful. With Thank You Mom, it was this just super emotive tension and respect and love for your parents, right? Um, for Faster Than You Think, it was this hilarity, right? Mm -hmm. Just the absurdity of, of some of these situations that our protagonists found themselves in in the campaign. And, and that was the fun of it, right? It was just kind of finding that absurd and pushing the envelope and, and getting a little uncomfortable together, mm -hmm. but being proactive and thinking about, is this crossing a line? and finding the line before we ever put it on air and anything we were concerned about, we would have a very intelligent strategy in terms of 
that sounds a little sick to say it was an intelligent strategy, but a thoughtful strategy, I should say, <laughs> about where to place the media and where to place the content. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, for perspective, I'm not sure if all of the listeners have, have seen some of the campaigns, but just to give a taste of what we're talking about here, and, you know, um, I, I, uh, I urge everyone who is listening to go and watch some you of them. You really have to. Everybody, like, the second this episode's done, you need to just Google your heart out. <laughs> um, so I would say we have some that are a little more down the middle that, we, that we've leaned into quite a bit. Um, one's titled Coffee, where a gentleman is unable to finish his coffee in the time that it takes us to complete the oil change. And his, re his response to that is a very absurdist reaction, which is he quite literally chugs and dumps the coffee all over himself <laughs> and speeds off. <laughs> um, but it's quite funny. Um, and, but we've pushed further than that. So in, in one piece of work, we actually have a, a grandson who's unable to have taken the time to have called and wished his grandmother a, ha a happy birthday. And he's nervous about this. And we cut to um, a seemingly despondent grandmother in her nursing home who quite literally takes a few steps to the window and launches herself from it. <laughs> um, but the, the hook is that what you find is that she's landing in a ball pit with fireworks and hundreds of friends around and a DJ and it's this enormous birthday party and she's just saying, it's okay, Johnny didn't call me. You know, I know he's thinking of me. Um, but that was an uncomfortable piece of content yeah. to make, right? Um, I, we knew we were towing a line there, of, but we tested it. And we, we asked honest questions to consumers and customers of, you know, let us know if, if you think we're going too far here. Is this uncomfortable? Is this not healthy? Is this unfair? Is this not a good representation? And we heard that it was fine, you know, and we learned. And then, then we've pushed it. And we've just pushed it out there. And we've pushed it out there slowly and cautiously, but um, with, with listening involved. But we know that finding that line is where you have to live. And, and we work hard to find the line and not cross it. Um, and I think the campaign does that well. The Certified ANA Marketing Professional, or CAMP, program is a rigorous 35-hour online certification program developed specifically with the ANA marketer in mind. Covering the entire marketing process from brand strategy and activation to marketing implementation across digital and analytic platforms, CAMP represents the full spectrum of the marketing universe. To begin your certification, go to ana.net slash camp future. A thing that I think it does so well is it immediately gives your brand a personality. Yeah. And I think that nowadays, like, you can't, this is this is not controversial. You can't just go by like, these are our differentiators, these are our benefits. You have to have something relatable and being a character almost your, right. is, is very important for brands. And I think this establishes that in addition to driving home your central message in a very memorable way, uh, I think it also just immediately gives the viewer an idea of who you are as a brand. And so that I think is just great side effect. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think you're dead on, Mike. I mean, we, 
the, I think what I'm most proud of in that work is how well it balances a commercial message with a character that is the brand that is entertaining, fun, and disruptive, and not advertising Yeah. for, oh for the God, customer, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, our brand presence in the, in the spot, in 15 seconds, we've been able to tell these stories and do it in a way where it's undeniably take five, and that is clearly being taken away, and the notion of speed is clearly being taken away, but we're also telling story. And, and I think that, that that's some of the brilliance of Eric and Coleman in that campaign is the way that they can do incredible storytelling in a commercial context. Yeah. And I think they really nailed it with this one as with a lot of the work they've done for us over the years. And I think you made a really good point there that it is unmistakably take five. You know what I mean? There's a lot, I've seen a lot of campaigns that are like, oh, that's funny. I honestly don't remember who, what brand put that out there, but I remember the thing where the thing blew up. Right. Like, so to put the humor at the middle of your value proposition, uh, I just think was a very, very, very good idea. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we're friendly, and I think there's perhaps nothing more friendly than sharing a good joke. So it's very on brand for us, um, and I'm glad you find it distinct. We do as well. I think our customers do also. Yeah. Well, um, I know that there was an incredible boost of brand awareness and engagement that were coming through this. Uh, how did those gains affect your franchise business, um, which is obviously a vital part of brands like yours? Yeah, I mean, of course, right? So just to, to set the table for folks, so Take 5 is a, a blend of corporately held locations and franchise locations. So quite literally, I answer to multiple owners in serving this brand, right? And it affected us equally, I would say, in the sense that we saw strong results from the work almost immediately. And because we are held together as a brand that operates with very tight operational principles and incredible operators, both corporate operators and franchise operators, going to take five, you would never know you're at a franchise or at a corporate location. And as a result, when we communicate as a brand, it works for all, right? All, all boats rise. The brand grows, our, our customer base grows, and our business grows. And uh, I think that, that the franchisees are incredible business leaders themselves and see that and appreciate that. Um, and honestly, if anything, it's, it's how can we do more I and mean, how, how can we do bigger and how can we do better? And, and I love that about having 30, 40 bosses, right? Um, we're never short on ideas. Right, right. We're never short on voices looking for us to push harder and push more and push the envelope. And it keeps us sharp. Um, it keeps us really sharp. So it, it's affected all parts of Take 5 very positively in terms of actual performance, but also in terms of the feedback loop and the conversation to help us keep moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I've heard it time and time again uh, over my time at the ANA that for businesses that are either purely or hybrid franchise, when they can create 
a campaign or an activation or something that really get their franchisees excited, that's like a force multiplier. Because like you said, you had people, entrepreneur, entrepreneurial uh, people who are seeing this idea and want to take it and run with it. And like, yeah, you know, you can think of that as I've got 40 people breathing down my neck or you, have, you could think of it as I have 40 sounding boards who are, have as much skin in the game as I do uh, in their minds. So I just think that's awesome. 100%. I mean, they are an absolutely critical element to our brand, um, to our business. They quite literally put their wallet on the table and show up and I, we rely on them to keep the brand strong and they rely on us to keep the brand strong. And we have very honest and candid conversations about how we could each be doing better. Um, and as a result, we get better and we're very comfortable with that. Uh, I think, you know, take five, um, and driven brands as a whole is a very meritocratic organization. We don't take things personally. We, we just dream big and work hard and, and let the results show how we're progressing, you know, and, and those are what those conversations about are about. And, um, and thankfully for the entire brand and, and our franchise community and our corporate operators as, as well, you know, the campaign and the work has been, has been working and contributing. So that's awesome. That is awesome. And you brought up something that I've been hearing a lot in, during this conference and getting to talk to the, the brilliant marketers that I've been able to do about partnerships that need to be an equal measure of honesty and respect. I think the term brutally honest is not really what you go for because ideas need to be vetted on an objective and really critical level. But the idea that that can't happen in a respectful environment is kind of silly. I think oh, it's like an outdated, 100%. I think yeah. it's a little bit of a lazy thing. So I just love that you don't take it personally, but you have to have these really candid talks about what you could be doing better. I was just having this conversation last night, actually, a little bit. I think it's one of the healthiest things about our relationship with Eric and Coleman, as an example, is, I mean, to me, you know, they're not a paid service or an employee, and I, and I do not treat them as such, right? I, I look at them as a trusted partner and... The implication of that, the way that manifests in how I work with them is, and I think I, I spoke a little bit about it when it came to Faster Than You Think, they believe in an idea. I often don't say no. I almost never say no because I know they're brilliant. I know we pay them to be brilliant and I know that they understand our brand deeply and I hear that. I trust them on that. I think that that's a key part of how it works for us is it's not deferential, right? I'm not just saying, okay, hand it over, I'll go do it. But, but I do give a high degree of trust. Mm -hmm. I put a high degree of trust in them. And when they tell me that we're on to something great, I stop and I listen and I take it seriously. And, and that's true of the franchise community too, 100%. Um, all of our operators, corporate, our corporate operations leaders as well, um, we have to look at the, the lens of marketing through our operation. At the end of the day, we're a, a, a retailer with hundreds of locations and thousands of employees. And if marketing concepts don't play, 
on the ground, well, then what's the point? And so we have to heed that feedback. But we, we have a strong point of view as a marketing team, but we, we have to have a very open mind and a, a very healthy and candid relationship with our franchisee partners, our agency partners, and our, and our operations partners to be successful. So tomorrow, we've actually got you before you take the stage at Brand Masters, but you're going to discuss in part how Take 5 Oil Change and Car Wash preserved its master brand amidst explosive business growth. And I think that is, that's such a challenge when things are going so well, there's the tendency to want to just like, well, let's go, like, ride the roller coaster and when it starts slowing down, we can think about it. But could you give our listeners a sneak preview of that kind of element of the, uh, the presentation tomorrow's, keeping that master brand when things are moving so quickly? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think that I'm going to talk about, I mean, just, you know, Take 5 was 30 some odd units when Driven Brands acquired it in 2016. And we sit here today in 2023, we have over 850 oil change locations and we have, we just grand opened our 400th car wash location. So as a brand, we're at 1,250 locations off a, you know, a little over 30 in 2016. Wild. So it's been an intense growth trajectory that I've had the, the pleasure to be a part of just the past three years. But I'm, I'm gonna talk about, I think the three core things that I've taken away myself. Right. I'm a little embarrassed to be at the brand masters as this is this is really the first brand that I've led from a marketing, um, you know, so I'm learning a lot every day, all the time. I don't presume to know hardly anything for that matter. But I think that there are three core things that I've really learned on this journey that I do try and apply in practice and I think are very important to successful marketing, irrespective of the category or the brand or the business, be it, you know, whatever label of brand you want to put on it. I've heard a lot of labels here today, challenger brand, growth brand, you know, legacy brand, 50 plus year old brand. Um, I think these are true of all those. And I think they're foundational principles. And so I'm really going to talk about, I think, three core things, which are not getting lost in the complexity or the notion, I should say, of complexity in today's world and just focusing on fundamentals, mm -hmm. which for us are distinction, reach, and consistency in our message. So I'm gonna talk a good bit about that. I'm gonna talk about being bold. I think we hit on that um, a good bit in the beginning of the conversation, um, but it's something that I fundamentally believe in I go back to what I said previously. I, if, you, if you're a marketer buying an expensive idea to push your brand forward and you're watching the idea and saying, that's clever, to me, that's not good enough. Mm -hmm. That's not bold as I define bold. You know, clever, smart, strategic. These are all good words and good things about work. But at the end of the day, if it if it isn't pushing to the point of like your stomach's flipping or your stomach hurts from laughter or your 
hairs aren't standing up on the back of your neck. You know, if you're not feeling something, I don't see a world where a consumer or customer is going to be impacted by it and be, wow, what a clever strategic advertisement. <laughs> yeah, you know? really well said. Um, so, so I'm going to talk about boldness and, and that kind of that insight to me as a practitioner of like, I, that's the number one gauge that I, is it on brand and did I feel something? Yeah. Everything else, you know, we can talk about and massage, but if those two elements are missing, then we have nothing. Yes. So to me. Yeah. And then the third thing I'm going to talk about is uh, I, I, I'll use the term be the glue, but you know, the, as a marketer, I think that the, you do more than engage customers um, and more than drive commercial results and demand or capture demand. You know, you really rally the organization and you align the organization to a vision for the brand and the business that has to be completely bought in at every level. And so fast, friendly, simple, those three core equities, those are those aren't marketing equities that I say to, to Mike and the A audience, those are organizational equities. We measure the speed of our bay times, every single shop, every single hour of every single day. Are we fast? And our operators live by that. We measure friendliness. We give a water to every customer that comes to take five. We have the manager say goodbye to every customer that leaves take five. And we survey customers and know what percent of our transactions, those things happen. And we're simple. We, we make sure that all we do, we don't get misguided on a ton of incremental additions to our business that distract from the simplicity of what we offer, which is, you know, it's, it's almost disparaging to say, but we, we're, real, we're like a one-trick pony. And we do that one trick really well. And that's, that's what we are and where we are on the oil change business. And, and we, we measure all three of those things. And so those equities are more than brand or customer-facing equities. They're operational KPIs and organizational equities that is arguably as, if not more important, than how I manifest those to the customer. Is we don't deliver that promise, and if we don't have the organization bought into that promise materially, then you know we're we're shouting into the wind because we're not going to deliver. Absolutely, absolutely. And I said it earlier today, but I think it bears repeating. I forget even which ANA conference I was at. It's somebody said your brand is every single touch point you have with your customers, end to end period, no exceptions. And so I love that friendly is a measurable KPI that is a real thing. It is not an abstract, it's not a vibe, it's not a feeling. I think that's just amazing. And while I appreciate your humility, I will say from almost 10 years at the ANA, nobody makes it to the stage of a national conference without a very good reason. So, <laughs> Thanks, Mike. So proudly take your role as a brand I will, master. I will, I will. 
But uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm bashful and uh, a little uncomfortable with the label, but, but I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> I have no doubt at all. Um, before we pivot to the questions we ask all of our guests, sure. if people have gotten really excited in this conversation, and I'm sure they have, how can they keep track of what you're up to, what Take 5 is up to? Yeah, I mean, uh, we're doing something new all the time. A little teaser, we've done some really fun work for our car wash business. Um, that I'll be sharing a little bit about tomorrow. They can keep up with us. At, um, we're, on, we're on all the social channels. You can also visit us at take5.com. A little teaser for anyone who's interested in my um, kind of shadowy reference, take a look at take5.com backslash pigeon and um, you know, enjoy. There's some fun stuff on there. Oh uh, I won't tell more. I'll, I'll leave that as a little bit of a cliffhanger. Ooh, we love an intriguing. Yeah, but it's uh, some fun piece of work we've come out with. And yeah, and by all means, I am a big believer in learning from everyone and anyone. So shoot me an email. Um, my email is just brady.noon at drivenbrands.com. I'd be happy to talk marketing, happy to talk take five, and happy to learn from you, whoever you are. Awesome, man. Awesome. Like I said, these are uh, questions that we ask all of our guests. This one is open by design. What are your thoughts on diversity, equity, and inclusion? Whoa. Um, (laughs) Well, I think, you know, in its strictest definition to me, equity is impartiality. And I think that we've done a really good job as a marketing team having a very impartial view to who's a part of that team. We as driven brands and as Take 5 live and win on our merits, irrespective of who we are or who we've been. And that manifests in the composition of our actual teams. And and in my view, it certainly manifests in the composition of our work in terms of external communication. I know that everyone on my team is uniquely themselves. Um, I won't go into every single player, but we have a a very diverse cast of folks with very interesting stories from, uh, you know, uh, Cuban immigrants to, to young women who have grown in the organization. And we all learn from one another quite a bit. And we have a very flat and responsibility-driven organization. So we get a lot of perspective from everyone and we expect everyone to carry their work um, and, and we get great output as a result. So I think what, what I focus on with our team and with our work externally is that impartiality piece that is foundational to equity, which is what's good is good and it it's, takes a multitude of opinions and thoughts to define good. And if you're gonna define good with a multitude of opinions and thoughts, you need a multitude of perspectives. And to get a multitude of perspectives, you need a multitude of different experiences. Um, and I, don't, I wouldn't say that we have any explicit target or label or anything, but we, with that impartiality, that's where we end up. And um, I think that's great. I think our, our team and our work is very representative of, of our customer base and, and uh, our, our society as a whole. I love it. I love it. Um, all right. So this next question 
Sometimes it's the easiest thing in the world. Sometimes people agonize over it for weeks. So we're going to find out uh, which type of marketing features podcast guest you are right okay. now, Brady. Okay, got it. Brady Noon, Chief Marketing Officer. Mm-hmm. Take five oil changing car wash. Yes. What is your favorite album of all time and why? This one's easy for me. There, there you go. Um, I knew it. There's, there's some people, it's like, hate me personally for asking. <laughs> and then some people are like, it's this. Next. No, I'm a, I'm a child of the 90s. Um, and that's where I grew up. And Nirvana's Nevermind is, uh, mm. I think, one of the most perfect things this world's ever had. It just, it's just, it's so melodic, but at the same time distorted and angry. Mm-hmm. And then I think that what's really, if you get under the layers of that record um, and think about some of the lyrics, it's, um, it's essentially like a collection of poetic contradictions mm-hmm. <laughs> that are like well almost nonsensical. Um, you know, come as you are, as you were. As uh, I want you to be. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> um, doused in mud, soaked in bleach. You know, it's just all these, they're just these clever witticisms that I don't know if anyone knows if they have real meaning, but it just, that kind of lostness of yeah. it, um, the distorted overtones with the melodic, and then these kind of, pushing against each other ideas and the lyrics just represent to me that moment of the 90s and, and, and honestly where I was as a person in the 90s of who am I going to be and what am I going to do and, and all those things. So um, it's, uh, it's a record I listen to with free. I mean, it's on the radio all the time still, um, but, but it's one that I'll turn on just uh, not necessarily in a quiet moment, but uh, you know, uh, but I'll, I'll listen to it, and I, I'm still kind of blown away by it all the time. That's awesome. That's an amazing answer. And yeah, it's like a lot of people. Their answer is like, well, this came along at a really formative time and really meant a lot. It's not always also one of the greatest rock albums that were that's ever been made. Like, <laughs> right. it's, it's not always that. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I, I like, and, and no disrespect to them because I genuinely like them, like I like the band Sublime a little too much because it was exactly <laughs> when I was like getting into like current music to be cool. So like I look back at that and I'm like, yeah, there were like three chords in the entire album. Though, right, so. right, right. But yeah, so incredible, incredible answer. And you probably know this, but one of my favorite things about that album, Smells Like Teen Spirit, Kurt was hanging out at a party or something like that. And yeah, a, a girl wrote on uh, the wall, Kurt Smells Like Teen Spirit. He was a on, deodorant. Yeah, yeah, he had no idea what deodorant was. <laughs> and he, he just looked at that and was like, that's amazing. Right, right. I think, I think that's what's amazing about it, honestly, is that I don't think it's one you like read into this hugely deep narrative. I think it was, you know, just the, uh, I mean, there's even a song on there and this is, you know, there's one called Territorial Pissings, right? So it's like, it was just kind of random musings, but when you put it all together, it just represented the time yes. so amazingly that it's it's almost it's a stroke of genius. It's a beautiful thing. So, um, yeah, that one's uh, 
probably the record I've listened to the most in my entire life and probably end that way at some point. Fantastic, fantastic <laughs> answer, fantastic answer. So uh, before we let you out into this beautiful Florida sun, sure. uh, let's finish up by bringing it up to the current day. Is there something you're listening to now, whether it's an artist, song, podcast, book, what's getting you excited nowadays? Yeah, I mean, I try to read as much as I can, and I try to not read marketing stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I feel you on that. I truly... <laughs> I'm not a big... Um, uh, so uh, I just finished a great book. It was We just had our spring break, and it's always a good time to get a big kind of dense one and crank out something that you never would have had. You yeah. know. So I just finished um, Say Nothing by David Radden Keefe, which is um, nonfiction, but storytelling, really incredible storytelling of the troubles in Northern Ireland um, and uh, the clash you know, over the sovereignty of the state, as well as the kind of religious undertones um, and how that led to conflict and how people thought about revolution and, and approached revolution and um, just really fascinating and interesting, interesting piece of history that I, I didn't know anything about um, and, and very well written. Um, I try to find things like that, something where I feel like I learned something that oh, is, yeah. um, you know, outside of, you know, I spend 90% of my time, my waking hours working on marketing and brands. So when I have some time, I try to get out of that world and, yes. and into something that's enriching um, in terms of making me a better me. And that, that's one I can think of that I just finished. I highly recommend it to anyone who's listening. It's very interesting, very well, well written and well told. Very cool, very cool. As a fellow history buff, uh, I love that stuff too. And just diving into like, just a world that you have like an inch deep understanding of. Correct. Correct. Centimeter deep. I mean, yeah. I knew, yeah, it was very, I mean, I, the most I knew about Northern Ireland was probably Rory McIlroy. And uh, so, you know, and it was, there's, there's, yeah, the world's an amazing place. Yeah, absolutely. Brady, this has been such a great conversation. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Marketing Futures Podcast. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Futures Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll join us in two weeks when the Masters of Brandmasters series concludes with a conversation with Keebler's Alicia Mosley and Advantage Unified Commerce's Jason Katz. The Marketing Futures Podcast airs Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. If you have a topic or guest you'd like to hear on the podcast, shoot us a note at marketingfutures at ana.net. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, find what you need to future-proof your brand at ana.net slash futures. This has been a presentation of the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey.